Welcome to Innovate at Open, the podcast that explores open source through the lenses of distributed collaboration, collective invention, and technology creation. I'm your host, Gordon Half, technology evangelist with Red Hat. Hi, everyone. This is Gordon Half, technology evangelist with Red Hat, and I'm here for another episode of the Innovate at Open podcast. And I'm here today with Anurag Goal, the founder and CEO of Render. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's start off by talking a little bit about you and your background and how you got to where you are today with Render. Um, I was previously uh, the eighth employee at Stripe where I helped launch the company and grow it into a few billion dollars in revenue. Um, And I left in 2016 um, with the idea that I would need to figure out what I'm going to do next and I would need to spend time on it. And um, I tried a lot of different domains to figure out which one appealed to me the most. And um, I kept running into this problem of having to do repetitive DevOps tasks over and over and over again um, on AWS and some of the other big clouds. But then when I looked at something like Heroku, which was um, you know easier to use than AWS, they didn't have the functionality that I was looking for. So ultimately, I decided that I would just build something to solve my own problem. Um, And clearly, many people have had that problem, uh, as we can tell from Render's growth at this point. And so I uh, have been the founder and CEO of Render for, um, I guess, three years now. And we are a modern cloud platform that helps you start out really quickly and easily, but it also scales with you as you grow. So you don't have to, at some point, hire an army of DevOps engineers um, after you outgrow Render. You never outgrow Render because we give you features like private networking, like um, role-based, access control, which is coming, uh, but also things like persistent disks, which like those things haven't even been available on um, platforms as a service like Heroku. Um, And we're continuing to add more features to our platform. So um, you sort of just don't need AWS. And, you know, we're raising the abstraction layer of the cloud, so to speak, because until now, people usually ran workloads on, or even now people who are not using render, they run workloads in AWS as data centers, but the the abstraction layer of the VM hasn't quite gone away. And things like Kubernetes have helped, uh, but even there, I mean, we all know how complex Kubernetes is to manage. And, you know, Google uses Kubernetes as sort of this Thing that drives uh, adoption of their cloud platform, but even they've realized that Kubernetes in its current form is so incredibly hard to manage. They just launched a product called Kubernetes, uh, Kubernetes Autopilot, which 
uh, in my opinion, actually is is a worse solution in some ways because it, you end up using Kubernetes without having access to the controls that you might need at, depending on your app because it's not one size fits all. So um, anyway, um, all that to say that Render is trying to make it easy for people to deploy anything from a simple static site to a complex application with tens of microservices, all without uh, building out an army of DevOps people or hiring uh, or having to build that expertise. Before we get to open source, I'd like to tackle another topic, uh, just because it's a personal interest to me, because I've been involved in this space for a long time. You know, when Pazes first came out, you know, th this was kind of the big pitch. You know, you don't, you barely need to be a developer to use them, and you certainly don't need to be an operations person to use them. But what tended to happen over time was people would go, well, that's great, but you know, I don't want to write in Google's version of uh, Python, you know, or mm. I, I don't, I don't want to write a twelve-factor app, or you know, something or something didn't meet their needs. So yeah. obviously, we got to Kubernetes, and now the people, if this is, you know, Kubernetes is awfully complicated. And is there some way to make it simpler? And so using me, so I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, that first generation of passes, I won't say they didn't work because they had users, um, but clearly they didn't meet the needs of a lot of enterprises. Absolutely. So what are you doing differently this time? That's a great question. Yeah. And a lot of it just has to do with timing um, and the direction the industry is headed in. So when you think about applications being developed now, they're um, just qualitatively different uh, in terms of architecture. Containerized uh, applications are becoming increasingly becoming the norm. Um, and we have the abstraction levels of Kubernetes where you can sort of get an IP, a private IP for each application, and you can create multiple instances and you can auto scale up and down. And so the advent of these technologies in just the last five-ish years allows Render to, to give access to things like that to our users without them having to learn Kubernetes, without them having to go, oh, now I have to take a Kubernetes certified Kubernetes administrator exam, because that's what we're doing. Um, our company does all that, so you don't have to. And then we give people the features of, of Kubernetes, but we build um, a layer on top that allows you to manage it really easily. And we can sort of see that in, in our traction, which you know we now have uh, over 150,000 services have been created on the platform. And we're doing, um, you know, just looking at HTTP requests, we're doing uh, over $2 billion a month. And we have customers all the way from Logitech to, you know, this massive community of indie hackers who are running their personal SaaS companies. And so um, we're seeing the market really respond to this complexity 
in AWS or Kubernetes by saying, look, I just want these features. Um, I want something like private networking, something like persistent storage. Um, and I really don't want to have to spend time and money on all the DevOps that AWS needs. So if you can just give me the features and it works, then that's great. And, and the thing is, we can give you the features now. So to take a really simple example, it isn't possible to run Elasticsearch on Heroku, which is you know arguably first generation pass. It is, we have built a single click deploy for Elasticsearch on render given the primitives that we expose to users. So in many ways, I think it is possible now because of technologies like Firecracker, technologies like Kata containers, um, and obviously Docker, um, and new networking uh, technologies like Cilium, like um, Calico, all these things are now, they're, they're sort of all second generation in many ways. and using them intelligently and building, focusing on UX while exposing the best features of these things um, is essentially what render is about. And that is what our users want. Now, how opinionated, so, you know, one of the things that come up when yeah. you kind of talk about simplifying things around Kubernetes is, you know, how opinionated, what's your philosophy about being opinionated? How opinionated do you think you can be? How opinionated do you think you should be? So uh, the way I think about this uh, and the way we think about it at Render is everything is driven by UX and by default, things should just work like that is the best UX. And so we're extremely opinionated about defaults. Uh, having said that, we do give you levers if you need to change things. And we've seen that over time where uh, we allow you to change things either through uh, infrastructure as code, but you know that stuff isn't in the dashboard because it would become really complex. Um, and we actually just released our public API and early access, uh, which will again allow people to make those tweaks to their apps that will help them um, uh, do customized uh, deployment scenarios without sort of being tied into render. Also, we don't really constrain our users from running anything on render um, as long as it can be Dockerized. But even without that, if you don't want to write Docker files, which a ton of our users, even some of the best developers I know, they, they just don't want to write Docker files because it's complicated. The development workflow isn't great. So we have these native environments where you can run Node, Ruby, Python, Elixir, Rust, um, um, and other um, applications um, that render just sort of helps you run without Docker. Behind the scenes, we are using Docker but you don't have to use it. You just tell us how to build your app, which could be a script or just a single command, or it could be uh, something that we auto-suggest. That's another part of our UX. So that's again, where some amount of being opinionated comes in. Um, and then over time, you know, I, I'm sure we'll continue to see requests from our customers for more customizations. And um, it is, that is, 
what render is all about. It is a, it's uh, it's all about doing it in a way that does not make the core offering complex, but allows complex use cases. Uh, it makes them possible. It makes the simple things really easy, um, but it makes the complex things possible. Uh, do you run the infrastructure on-prem? Uh, right now, we run part of our workloads on uh, bare metal, uh, but we also run, uh, when we started, you know, we didn't really want to get into bare metal. So um, we have workloads on both GCP and AWS. And over time, um, I expect we'll run the bulk of our workloads on bare metal, mostly because of control and to some extent cost. So we can pass on those savings to our users. Now, let's talk about open source. Um, yes. So first of all, your technology stack. Yeah. So our technology stack is entirely driven by open source, and we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And we let's start from you know the very bottom, where um, we have made a transition to AMD CPUs uh, mostly because of all the multi-tenancy bugs in Intel CPUs that we've come across recently. But uh, but beyond that, I mean, render really just needs the primitives of um, CPU networking and storage. And um, we run um, Kubernetes clusters on Linux machines. Um, and these are all sort of completely invisible to our to our users. They don't actually have to learn Kubernetes or manage anything in Kubernetes. But uh, Kubernetes is just sort of, it happens to be how we implement our backend right now. It could change, which is why we don't expose it to our users. If, if we find, and we have done this in certain cases where Kubernetes isn't enough for what we are trying to do. So we've written our own code outside Kubernetes. Um, and um, uh, our own, we we wrote our own backend uh, infrastructure entirely in Go, uh, largely for performance reasons, um, and also for interoperability with the broader Docker and Kubernetes ecosystem. Uh, and just Go is an amazing infrastructure language um, in general. Um, and then our front end is driven by React and TypeScript, again, all open, you know, the, the modern open source libraries. Um, and we use Postgres, again, open source DB. So, so yeah, it, this company wouldn't be possible without uh, all these amazing inventions that people have just given away for free. Now, do you have involvement with upstream communities? We do, yeah. So, um Specifically for certain projects, um, we allow those projects uh, to be deployed on uh, render really easily with a single click. So it actually helps, uh, you know, companies that are trying to get their users to adopt their open source project. Um, they just put in a deploy to render button in their readme's and uh, it's very easy for their users to try them out. Um, and um, this extends not just for, this is not just for open source projects, but also for others. And then over time, I think um, a lot of the stuff that we've done internally 
um, we're going to start extracting into uh, open source components for other people to use. For example, we built this load balancing layer um, on top of um, infra backend where the user workloads run. And there is a, a quality of service component that we built over time. There is um, uh, there are other things that prevent us from going down, even, even if our primary data store is down. So a lot of things like that, we built our own AnyCast network. Uh, so our, our hope is to share a lot of that stuff over time once we are at a point where it can be extracted into individual libraries. Um, and then we sponsor open source projects and communities uh, like Let's Encrypt, um, we're a sponsor there, uh, but also we sponsor projects that allow people to spin up applications and our stacks really quickly. Uh, so there's this recent project uh, that I think is gearing up for a 1.0 launch in uh, the summer. It's called Blitz.js. It's built on top of Next.js and it's sort of the full stack end to end. It's like the Ruby on Rails, but for Node. Um, and uh, and and the community around it is very similar. And so we sponsor that project and, and their founder um, because uh, a lot of their users end up using Render for it. And I'd like to kind of expand on this a little bit. So why in general would you say were your primary motivations for moving some of your components into open source? Um, I think there's a couple of things. Um, we would obviously like to benefit from users being able to customize things. Um, and one way to do that is to open source some of our building blocks that work for the majority of use cases, but don't work for, uh, you know, or, or uh, things that we don't want to make more complex. So an example of that is our native environments where we have a base image for Python, we have a base image for Ruby and all of them have, um, and for Go, and they all have certain things that users need, but we don't have every single OS package imaginable in those images. Now we get requests from users uh, where they want to install some library or something else in the native images, but they don't want to use Docker. And that's where open sourcing that image allows us to say, look, all you need to do is add this sudo app get install command here. And, um, and we render can take any Docker file and run it. So for them, they just give us that, that Docker file and add one line to it, and we take it from there. So that's that's one incentive, customization of our, our own services. The other one, of course, is um, for library components, allowing um, developers outside render um, to help us uh, improve these at a higher velocity. And, um, and then the third one, I'd say, is uh, just pure uh, developer marketing. Because if you release anything that's useful um, that a bunch of other people can use, they obviously see who created it, the company that's that's behind it, and you know, in, 
if you take this to the extreme, Kubernetes is the ultimate open source marketing plot for Google Cloud. Uh, and I think that by releasing useful tools, um, open source tools, both the companies that release them and the companies that uh, use them um, end up winning. Um, and that would be my, my I guess, my, my tertiary motivation. What do you see as kind of your, your core IP, your core capabilities that really um, sort of underpin yeah. your business model? So uh, the way I, I typically answer this question is building a prototype of render took, takes like one engineer who's familiar with all the um, current state-of-the-art uh, frameworks in DevOps. It will probably take them a month, but building render for the tens of thousands of users that we have and all their use cases and all their edge cases and scaling uh, the platform in a way that works well uh, and doing it also in a way that you can uh, make money off of. Like all of those things are what we've spent time on since we launched. Um, and I'd say that Perhaps the biggest thing about Render is it's since Roku, it's probably the first company of its kind that is taking on the entire stack end-to-end -end, um, in terms of surface area. So our users keep telling us, we want to use this feature that you don't have because we don't want to use another cloud provider or, you know, an example of that is object storage. Um, render customers want render to build object storage. They don't want to use S3, which is incredibly easy to use, but they just don't want to use it because they want everything in one place. And I think to, to a large extent, that's the appeal of clouds like AWS, but they just operate at a lower abstraction level. So building these components in a way that allows people to find everything in a single place and then uh, use them as they scale with the company, um, as they scale their own usage of it. So, uh, and doing it in a multi-tenant fashion. Uh, all those things I'd say are the, are the key technical IP. Hey, thank you. Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? On the topic of open source, um, I think, our viewpoint has been just, um, we've been ob observing this massive increase in open source projects as replacements for SaaS. And uh, we're seeing more and more and more of that. And that is where I think Render is becoming increasingly a tool of choice for people who don't want to pay, for example, thousands of dollars a month to uh, a company like Segment or a company like uh, Fivetran, where there are now developers who are building open source alternatives to these platforms. And um, they probably don't have the time or the resources to build their own cloud as a managed service for it, at least right now. Um, so 
render becomes the default choice for deploying these. And so that's what we're seeing with a ton of third-party tools um, and open and databases. And they might not even be open source in some cases, but you know, um, things like ClickHouse and there's a bunch of open source uh, store builders, there's a bunch of open source Slack alternatives. Um, and all of those things can be deployed on render. And we're also seeing uh, interest from open source developers who want to use render as a backend for their hosted offerings, uh, which is sort of, you know, they would have used AWS before, but because render gives them the features they want, they can just use render instead. Uh, and so that's kind of perhaps a, a really interesting trend that we continue to see. And we want render to become the place where sort of any open source project can be hosted instantly. Uh, and ultimately we would, prefer and want to share some of the hosting revenue profits with the open source maintainers themselves, which would allow us to, you know, both um, uh, incentivize more people to use Render, the project would recommend Render, but more importantly, it would be another way of funding open source, which doesn't require sort of uh, building a managed cloud service, because a lot of developers just don't want to do that, but they still want to write code that they want to release in the work. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovate at Open. For future episodes, subscribe to Innovate at Open on your favorite podcast app. You could also go bitmason, B-I-T-M-A-S-O-N, dot blogspot.com for show notes, blogs, and a full archive of episodes and more. Thank you for listening. This is Gordon Half, Technology Evangelist at Red Hat.